force of Philip on the track. I got a hot little quickie for you, and I just needed to tell you a message from the heart. Let's go. Turn one, fences drop. No stifle, cast spot. Pass the turn, don't bolt the bird. Grant my mana, juice a three drop. Leah Bolden, whole breaches. Erro, cause nature's reeling. Pot and veils like a sweating season. Time raveling, feels like I'm cheating. You cast nails, greens and seeming. Plague engineer, roll, had a screaming. I don't a shepherd, turning team into dinos. But the problem is, now they face extinction. Making one ones, you young peasy. Delvin angler, then can't greasy. Petty theft, there's nothing left. Best sign to slip, you get swept. My own tutor said tubes is coming. Make a prediction or think of something. I thought so hard, but they got seized. But I won that game, cause their brain got freeze. Ain't the vile? You got style, death and taxes or Espa pile. Soul hurting and flicker wispin' and garden thraving and devil strixin'. I'ma let you in on a little secret. I'm a charming prince, got Clayton spirits. I'm a man of faith and up in the distance is a miracle terminus, cause God is listening. Don't be coming at me with your creature nonsense. I will terminus the shit out your board. You come at me, you try attack me in the red zone, I will miracle right off the goddamn top a terminus force of fill out hello and welcome to eternal dirtles i'm your host zach clark and with me as always phil blackman phil how's it going man yo with you as always uh phil blackman <laughs> bro let's i want to fucking talk about ninjas my guy you want to talk about ninjas let's talk i want to talk about i've been waiting to talk about ninjas all day all right, let's get it. Let's let's just dive right in. We're we're going to talk about some what stuff has stuck out from Kamigawa so far. We've had a full what four and a half days with the set, yeah, or something. Who knows? Who cares? Four and a half days. We, we got we, Joe, Joe Dyer posted his stuff about what is what is stuck so far in Legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Check that out colder. on uh, MTG Goldfish. The uh, this week in Legacy post Neon metagame report. Shout out to Joe. The Beseju who uh, who endures, uh, that was the hotness coming in. It's a role player at best so far, nothing beyond yep. that, although people have been I testing mean, I didn't it. expect anybody to, like, win, you know, use it as a win condition, you know? But, bro, bro, <laughs> I mean, I thought Moon Circuit Hacker was going to be the hotness, man. Well, I, I, think, rem- I think the the breakout card from the from this set right now is Ka- Kappa Cannoneer, right? Yeah, Kappa Cannoneer because it actually had a home. Right, yeah. it, it it already had a deck that wanted exactly what it's offering, which is another cheap threat that can close a game fast. That gives the deck an entirely different angle than what it had before, because now you have this Voltron thing that doesn't get stopped on in the red zone. Whereas, yeah, and it's also like, like big. It like it takes that go wide strategy that that uh, eight cast kind of already has going, and it just goes. And I'm and I'm a big thing that uh, that help that like is fueled by your go wide strategy, but also like is just a huge beater. Well, Kappa Cannoneer works, yeah, it, it, it works when you are in a high-resource situation, but it also works when you're in a low-resource situation, because the ETBs is a 5-5, five, five, and then every art, if, you, if you're hellbent and just draw an artifact, it's 6-6, six, six, unblockable, untouchable getting in. It, it's just a fast clock once it comes down, after you've entered your, your hand, so it's just giving your deck a, a cent, what, what is almost functionally reach. After it sticks on the table, so it, and Ward Four is nothing to is nothing to squawk at. Like the the evolution of the deck going from like Karn and Urza to cutting all of the four drops and just being on Emery and Psy, and then uh, being on like Hole Breacher sometimes with the Echo Package, and then getting rid of the Echo Package and just being faster on the actual eight Thought Cast effects. But all of those previous versions of the deck 
they were all high resources decks functionally. You know, yeah. they were they were similar to Storm. They need a lot of resources. They do really poorly when you're in a low resource situation. And Kappa Cannoneer just doesn't care. Kappa Cannoneer is going to be good in both high and low resource situations as long as you don't top deck it after they've already like wrapped your board with a meltdown or something. It was pretty clear that Kappa Cannoneer was going to do work because it has a home and it's playing a role in that home that that deck actively wanted. So it filled the niche coming in. Whereas all these other cards, I mean, specifically, I want to talk about Moon Circuit Hacker because I thought Ninjas was going to get a really nice boon from this. And it doesn't seem like anybody's really interested in, in trying out Ninjas because uh, so far there's only been one list that has any success and it's not even necessarily in a, a major event. We can talk about it and, and where it went, but I, I thought Moon Circuit it. Hacker, just like the density of Ninjas was going to go up. But I thought that the, the, the variance of Ninjas could also be a play. I thought like this would also give access to Ninjas being able to get rid of black. And just play blue splash another color if they so want to. So you're you're completely off the idea that like Satoru Umizawa and just like whoops I have like an Emmercool or something like that. Hit, hit yeah, the- I mean if if you want to meme and just be worth show and tell, you can. You know. Yeah, I mean I think I, I mean for for what's worth, I think that you could have that blue black ninjas deck and then just like also like have have like the uh, Satoru Umizawa situation because like the. By itself, that card is fine because of the extra ability on top. Not that like everything has ninjutsu ability, but the whenever you activate uh, ninjutsu, you get to look at the top three cards and put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom. I think that's still like fine. You know, like is it legacy fine? I don't know. But what I'll say is like this: that card do- does enough without like trying to Voltron your deck into like some kind of a show and tell thing. But I think it, that I think it is playable. I mean, I think if you were going to play Sitaru and people have so far on their like YouTube vids and it have, have memed with the Blightsteel Colossus, I, I think the only realistic way to, to build that deck is if you're putting those kinds of fatties in your deck, you have to be pairing it with Show and Tell. And if you don't have Eurekas and want to play Blue Black Show and Tell, you can play Sotaru, uh, Sotawaru. Is that how it's pronounced? Uh, Sotaru? Sotaru. Sotaru, yeah. You can play your Sotarus with like your Baleful Strixes. Stringes. The plural of Strix is Stringes. Uh, so you can play your Baleful Stringes in a blue-black uh, version of the deck. And then you essentially will have eight show and tells with Sotaru on top of show and tell alongside your fatties. So I think like that's the more realistic approach to uh, Sotaru is just show and tells five through eight when you don't own Eurekas. Because yeah, yeah, I mean, you are can like also rock bucks. the uh, you know you can you can rock the black to basics tech too, where you play back to basics in a blue black deck, and this is a this is a fine blue black deck to do that in, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, outside of that, I don't think Sotaru has has really any home because he's he's super clunky. So I think as pieces uh, as show and tells five through eight, that's reasonable if you're looking to play that kind of deck and you're uninterested in burning wish and remo- and putting a show and tell on the sideboard. Or if you don't want to play Sneak and Show. But when it comes to ninjas, I thought Moon Circuit Hacker being an additional ninja that you can ninjutsu for one to go up cards means that you're not priced into only playing the playable ninjas, which were Eureka, Ingenious Infiltrator, and then like the Enablers. Now that you have Moon Circuit Hacker and Ninja the Deep Hours, I was like, okay, you have at least eight ninjas there. Plus, uh, you can play Thousand Face Shadow, which is the new enabler for ninjas from the new set. That's also a payoff. So you theoretically can have 12 ninjas in your deck by doing that. And then in addition to your enablers, and then it can put you away from having to play uh, the black cards if you don't want to be playing black because like Pyroblast is so good. And, you know, it's just like, I thought it was going to open up avenues for ninjas to play other color combinations rather than just being pigeonholed in the blue black because that's where the ninja quote payoffs are. Because now they gave you more ninja payoffs that aren't in blue and black. 
So, you know, uh, I, I have a quick question uh, that's unrelated to ninjas, but uh, I have you given uh, actually, I'll, I'll start it this way. How do you feel about Jace the Mind Sculptor? Right? I think Jace the Mind Sculptor better than all. Anybody who's dunking on Jace because it's not as good, yeah, it's not as no, good. I'm saying like it's the, like, I'm just saying, as a card to put in your miracles deck like not against other planeswalkers i'm just saying as, as like a card to throw in that deck four mana thing that you do as as me who has played miracles forever i'm still not going i'm not leaving home without three jace the mind sculptor at least in my deck i i, I think anytime people want to anytime people want to cut jace i'm always I, I, anytime people want to cut jace i'm just like you are removing the part of your deck that is so important when you're at least at least when you're playing miracles that it, it is so vital to the strategy of that deck after you have any reasonable amount of development. Jace is so vital that cutting it is insane to me. I want to suggest that Shirukai Genesis Engine is a very interesting card that is a threat that gets around uh, Terminus. Doesn't have to, you don't have to worry about it being Terminus away. Rocks some card advantage for you. I, I don't know, man. I think that card's really cool. And, uh, I mean, it's no Jace for sure, but, like, it offers, like, a completely different thing that we've never really seen in a, in a Miracles deck by, like, having a f access to an 8-8 as a fatty. And it's got I'll, the card draw thing. You get to use your graveyard. That fuels your Snapcaster mages. I, I like it. I like that card a lot. Here's the thing. I think it's... I don't think that they necessarily have to compete. I think if you wanted to play uh, a Shurikai as uh, you know, a, a one of or a two of in your deck, you can, but I would very much advocate to not cut your Jace the Mind Sculptors if you're playing Miracles. I like the idea of Shurikai being able to, to discard. So the, the discard outlet on Shurikai is actually really interesting because if you have a Miracle in your hand, like let's say you have an Entreat the Angels in your hand, it's actually better off in your graveyard than in your hand if you don't have Brainstorm because being able to put it back on top with Mystic Sanctuary is really important. And that type of thing comes up a lot. You just like, argued for for Shurikai right there. That's it, like the like, one spot, right? In the early game, if you can ever dump a, a Terminus or an Entreat the Angels like off a Predict or something, uh, it's going to do a lot of work for you later on when you on four mana can potentially Mystic Sanctuary back to the top and essentially get the get that tutor effect, if you will, uh, exactly where you want. And it being in your graveyard is is a valuable tool. So. Jace kind of already does, does that anyway. Like that's the, that's the, the point, right? Jace gets the brainstorm and put all that stuff on top. So it's like if they are committed to the board and you Jace and you put a Terminus back on top and then they fight over the Jace, Jace is down, but then you also traded Jace for their board because you Terminus them. Yeah. And the, the whole strength of the deck is Terminus. For people who want to try out Shurikai, uh, I'm not against it. It's another four-minute threat that's going to die to Pyroblast. Like that's shitty, but it is... It's a hell of a draw engine that also produces bodies. So I'm, I'm not. I, I just to like it. that. Like if you if you put that down, your opponent can't just path it away, you know, or path it, uh, swords it away. It just seems it, it's not it's not enchantment. So it is you can artifact remove it, but like it's slightly harder to remove as a threat than like a random creature. You can also just go wide with it. Like it, it's putting a body on the t on the board each turn, and you know that's enough to like kill opponents. Other like if you're a control deck. Killing your opponent's planeswalkers is a real pain because you literally have to spend a card to do it most of the time. And this is like, oh, look, I've got like three one ones. I'll just attack your Jace and like kill him. There's two avenues. When Shurikai first came out, I thought about could this be like that over the top haymaker that you bring in 
for grindy control mirrors, right? Because also, like block it with your uh, grizzle brand if you're if you're gonna do that. You know, every it's yeah, eight. every card, every time you activate a Shirakai, it's putting you up two resources, right? You make a body plus you went up a card because you do two discarded one. So after the and first like, activation, look, the graveyard is a resource. We keep saying the graveyard is a resource. Graveyard is a resource. Uh, the, here, here's the thing: when you're, if you want to build a Shurikai, at least in a control version of, uh, in, a, in a control deck as opposed to like an artifact combo deck that's doing like untapped shenanigans, there are two things that you can do when you're building a control deck: knowing that your opponents are going to bring in a bunch of pyroblasts, and every deck that's playing red is playing like four to five pyroblasts in their sideboard now. If you are building a deck like this where you're like, I want to play with Shurikai. You have to be thinking about the rest of your deck in a me- in a fashion that is overloading your opponent's power blasts. Bring so you're either tides o- and Shurikai and Jace. The the two ways to a- <laughs> the two ways to combat power blasts out of the board is you either have to dodge it, which is where things like mentor come in. The pivot the pivot to white cards. You know that's where people were excited a little bit about the Wandering Emperor. You know it's a white card that is very difficult to pr- prismatic ending doesn't get hit by a power blast, so you sidestep right. So you can sidestep or you can overload their pyroblasts. And so you, when you overload their pyroblasts, you can go in with the game plan of actively tr- casting things into their pyroblast because you want to clear the way. Now, what's important about that, though, is whatever pyroblast is trading with in a control deck is likely trading up. Yeah. So as, lo- as, as long as you're still available to develop and are picking your spots, you can do it. But those are the two ways to combat pyroblast. You either sidestep it or you overload it. You can't just do a straight swap. So... It's one of those. It's, it's that type of thing where I'm more interested in having Shurikai alongside Jace the Mind Sculptor yeah. than I am as as a, a shift. Yeah, I, I'm not opposed to trying Shurikai. It, it's it's another one of those. Let me rephrase. I'm not opposed to trying Shurikai, but I'm I am opposed to replacing Jace the Mind Sculptor. Got it. Got it. Uh, I, so the way I framed that was 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 probably poor, but uh, we got we got there. So we yeah. I I, I, uh, I I think that the thing about it is is. Because it's four mana, people immediately assume that on the curve it has to compete with the other stuff that's on the curve. And that's not necessarily true because if you're playing more basics, then you're going to be able to develop longer into that position. It's also a metagame call. You know, if I think I'm going to go up against, you know, four color Uro piles all day, like maybe I do want like three Jason and Shurikai in my deck. You know, that's not that's not crazy. So we've talked about uh, Kappa Cannoneer. We've talked about uh, Satoru Mazao. We've talked about Shurikai Genesis Engine. Uh, let's talk about Moxfield real fast. Uh, yeah, let's talk about our, Moxfield. Our show sponsor is Moxfield. Uh, they are fastly becoming one of the all-time best deck building sites on the internet. Uh, they work on all your mobile devices. They work on, uh, obviously, uh, on your PC, on your uh, Mac, you know, whatnot. But uh, it, just super clean website, really great. The, the whole thing, just like, this is just one of the cleanest deck building sites I've, I've ever used. I'm friends with the guys who, who created it, so I'm a little biased. But I think I, we just found out the other day I'm in the top 10 of the 10 first people to have actually been on the site. I had no idea about that because I just used it like sparingly over, over the last four years. It's like, oh, it's my friend's project. But like this is one of the all-time greatest sites for, for building decks because it's tapped into Scryfall. So you get all the Scryfall uh all the Scryfall uh, equivalents, like everything that you can do on Scryfall as far as coding and whatnot to find cards, uh, you got that there. The, I don't know, man. This is, to me, like, especially for your dollar, which is free, come on. Yeah, I, th- I think everybody uses this kind of uh, stuff already. I mean, we've talked about this in previous casts, too. It's just like, we all know that you're using your notes app or whatever to, for your deck lists. And uh, having to copy and paste that stuff to share your deck list or try and keep track of how you're manipulating those deck lists. Yeah, you're biased because you know the guys, but it's really nice when the bias is 
also backed up by the product yeah, being good. Like I, so, if, if this, if this wasn't something amazing that I believed in, we wouldn't be talking about it. You know, it, it, it is one of those things, like the, the number of iterations that I have that I go through with miracles and trying out different cards. Like I'm, I'm when we talk about Tameshi in, in a minute, like there's a bunch of interesting brews that I've got with Tameshi that it, it's like, as I start testing those decks out, putting them into mock field and then changing those numbers as, as those lists progress and you figure out what is working, what isn't being able to track those progressions is really interesting. So you don't ever double, double take or, or double back on, on coverage for nineties MTG at our local game shop. I'm, I'm actually wearing some of their merch right now. The, one of the things I constantly go back to is I play, I play accumulated knowledge like once a month, right? I'll, I'll go back to accumulated knowledge in my miracles builds because I'm like, I got to believe in this card. Maybe now is maybe now it's good. It's never good. It's it is it has been it is way outpaced by so many better cards that have been printed. Please don't play accumulated knowledge or frantic inventory in your deck list anymore. But I would go back to it because I would forget. I would forget. I'd be like, today is the, it could be, it could be good, Zach. Maybe today is the day. Maybe today is it's, the it's, day. It's, of course. It's, it's 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 the um the uh, what's the what's the uh, Arrested Development. Yeah. It's that scene where they're 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 watching a pyramid scheme, and one person turns to the other and goes, "Has this ever worked for anybody?" And the other character turns and goes, "No, but it might for us." That <laughs> yeah, of course that is that is accumulated knowledge for me. And but you say, Moxfield, all, you say all that to say this is that Moxfield tracks your deck change. Yes, so I can every time I can look at my deck change, I can be like, "Oh right, accumulated knowledge has never worked." Let me not fall into that trap yeah. again unless I'm willing to throw my money away. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's all we have to say. It's free to join. You definitely should be on there. We've got the link to uh, my my personal uh, deck site down at the bottom. Uh, we'll be starting one up for the show very soon. Uh, we're just slowly building things over to it. And We put um, up our six budget, de- our budget deck list from last week on there. Yeah, the budget deck list were there. It looks like you guys, a lot of people looked at them. So that was really cool. It was cool to see that uh that that was something that like everybody was was into and checked out yeah over 109 views on budget miracles amazing yeah everybody wants to be able to look at 2012 miracles and have it work today so do i that's why that's why i shared that list anyhow let's get back to uh talking about uh kamagawa neon genesis cards that we can slot into decks or just create new archetypes with I want to see the ninja deck list that's like blue-red, that's playing the good red cards alongside Moon Circuit ha- Hacker, Ninja the Deep Hours, and Thousand Face Shadow. And maybe the Chainslings, your Ornithopters, your Retrofitter Foundries like you were before, and doing work, not having to play, you know, bad cards in your deck that don't actually convert what you need, where you're like super soft to shit like Merit Lage. Play your, your, your t- you can finally be the tempo deck that you've always wanted to be, and you can play... I don't know, fucking lightning bolt. <laughs> like, get in there. Yeah. Just play your moon circuit hacker. I'm a believer in moon circuit hacker. I, I, I feel like what, what we, it, it's just like once we have it in our head that a deck has to be certain colors, if it's not like Delver can do whatever it wants, right? Because the shell is just threat plus days plus wasteland. But Ninjas has only ever been blue black. We've only ever looked at it as blue black. And then it gets new tools and we're like, how does this fit into this blue black shell? And I think I am advocating that we open that up because I think there's room, there's room and I'm going to try it next week. I'm going to try it. And it's going to be on 90s MTG next week. Sick. We'll see. We'll see. uh, My Kappa tech record. Dude. So like, that's what I'm talking about. Like the, the, the (laughs) the green ninja that you can pick back up that exiles, that exiles artifacts and enchantments. Like the the, the stuff is good. We did not plan this. 
Bro, there, there's a um, green ninjas chilling. Yeah, I mean, there's also, I mean, if you wanted to stay on blueback ninjas, there's the the ninja where every time it connects, you can discard a creature card to just uh, uh, kill a creature. Ooh, uh, I happen to know that that is Dude. silencer, something silencer. Dakochi silencer or something? Zach's looking it up, but it's one in a black for a two one that every time yeah, it connects. Yeah, Dakochi silencer. Yeah, yeah. You can discard a creature card, which your deck is flush with because you're ninjas. And then that card essentially just becomes killer creature. It becomes it becomes or planeswalker too. Or uh, planeswalker, it becomes yeah. a hero's downfall. What's really nice about the, the coach being able to kill a planeswalker is you only get the uh, effect when you hit a player, not a planeswalker. You can get your little questing beast action in here where you can hit the player and then still catch the planeswalker. Pretty good. It's luscious. It's a luscious thing. Anyway, let's talk about Tameshi. So Tameshi, I've already been brewing with Tameshi. The idea that Tameshi uh, can bring back. Uh, there you go. There it is on screen for people watching. <laughs> so Tameshi has the activated ability of X and a white. Uh, you can return an artifact or enchantment from your graveyard to the battlefield with uh, converted mana cost X or less. Part of the cost is picking up a land. And you know me, I sure do love picking up my Mystic Sanctuaries. I sure do love playing Mishra's Bobble alongside Predict. I sure do like putting it all together in a package. Here's the rub. Zach, once you have a Tameshi on the board, you're not going to not draw a card every turn with it, right? You're not going to not activate it, yeah. picking up your Mishra's Bobble to draw a card. You're obviously doing it. You're obviously going to do it every At turn. least. So you can only draw a card once per turn, but you can activate the ability as many times as you want. But you're probably only going to do it once in a control deck because you want the card draw. But you're definitely going to draw the card. It doesn't matter if you're in a position where you still need to develop who is saying no to drawing a card. I certainly am not. The issue with Tameshi, though, is that once you activate it, and pick up a land, you will never develop past that land drop. So theoretically, you have a special on the table, you protect it, you do whatever, but if you're activating it every turn, let's say you're on four mana, you will never get past four mana. So what if that land, what if that land is Mystic Sanctuary? That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm picking it up. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm tutoring, I'm tutoring to the top of my deck every turn, and I'm drawing two cards every turn. So I'm gonna draw to, I'm gonna have a howling on my side of the table, functionally tutoring to the top of my deck whatever I want every time because I'm picking up a Mystic Sanctuary, but with Tameshi picking up lands, if you're not doing something in your deck to put more lands out of the battlefield, which means that you're making your deck bad, then you will never develop past that point. So you have to take into account that your deck can't go big. It's got to be able to play small ball, and it's got to do it effectively against a lot of decks. Now, you can do that, and I think that the way to do it is you want to be able to exploit Tameshi for picking up artifacts and enchantments. So you're leaning towards artifacts and enchantments, and then you want to do so in ways that don't need to develop past like four or five mana. I think also you will get to a point where you have more cards than you can cast per turn and your opponent doesn't have anything for you to interact with. And then you just stop drawing cards and start playing lands too. You will eventually yeah, I mean, bury your opponent in, in card advantage to the point where you're like, okay, well, I don't need to do it this turn. Play a land pass. Obviously, the, the later in the game, like the more lands you have in play with Tameshi, the more powerful Tameshi is, yeah. right? Even, even if you only ever intend to activate it for where X is one at the most. Assuming that you're activating it for X is zero, which is where the power actually is. If you, if you, Even if your deck is built to not actually ever go for more than X is one, the more lands you have in play, the more powerful it is because it means that you have developed more so you'll be able to just cast more spells because you're going to have way more cards because it's a howling mine every turn. Cards that are good with it. X percent no, obviously. It's just a good early game. It's going to draw out the removal spell to clear the way for Tameshi and then you can rebuy it after the fact. Solid, solid way to build around because the, the, an issue with Miracles or any type of control deck like that is... If it's the only creature in your deck, if Tameshi is the only creature in your deck, the bolt or the plow or whatever yeah, is just been sitting, rotting in their hand is just waiting for a target. And the second you give it to them, it's it's, it's lovely. But she's what, a 2-3 too, right? Yeah, it dies to everything. Yeah. But uh, Esper Sentinel is a really nice way to clear the path. That's also going to give you the time to develop to get to Tameshi. If it, if it nets you a card, it's amazing. 
if it trades up a mana, still great because it means that they that it's a time walk because you get to develop. Either way, excellent, excellent choice. Mishra's Bobble, obviously great. Zero mana, return it to the uh, board. Tameshi will draw a card. Mishra's Bobble, we picked up, draws a card, and you rebought a land. So that means that it, Tameshi's activated ability is functionally a draw two if it picks up a Mishra's Bobble. Really solid play. How do we feel about uh, Jinkataxis Progress Tyrant as a like silver bullet card in like reanimator? When Ginger Taxis was spoiled, I was like, this card is so cool. And it's just another one of those things where it's worse than Grizzlebrand. Right. Uh, of course. But like, here's the thing. It, 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 so so I guess I guess to that point is like worse than Grizzlebrand is every reanimator target, right? Every reanimator spell. And then and then you have Grizzlebrand has one true weakness, which is being bounced back to your hand. And that's where like Archon of Cruelty and uh Sarah Emissary are like really good good alternatives. Jinka Taxes also is a, is legend. a legend. So uh that that's sort of the issue there. As far as just being another card, like I like I like what it offers you as far as like you're just gonna stop a removal spell on the first like the first removal spell that gets cast turn. There are a lot of decks that don't run Caracas, and they're going to have a lot of trouble getting rid of that guy. Jinja Taxis is an absurdly powerful card. Like the effects on that card are insane. It's just one of it's it's just the type of thing where the the types of decks that can put in that kind of fatty are a, you already have Grizzlebrand that's going to oust a lot of the fatties that you'd be interested in playing anyway. And then yeah. Modern Horizons 2 gave you a bunch of fatties that are just arbitrarily power creep versions of previous fatties that you were interested in playing anyway. And Ginger Taxis isn't giving you a different angle from what those cards are, which are just going to kill your opponent faster to begin with. So I, I don't see Ginger Taxis ever getting to show up. I mean, maybe it'll show up in Vintage Oath, but outside of that, I don't think it's going to show up in Legacy anytime soon because the fatties that it has to compete with are too are too much. That's if they fair. ever and got it's rid- not really, I mean, like, in terms of being a fatty, like, a 5-5 five five is kind of eh. I mean, I think you're doing it because it's uh, going to grind and it copies all of your spells. I think that's yeah. the that's the actual powerful thing, and it's tough to remove because it counters their first thing. I, I mean, in my mind, if they got rid of Grizzlebrand and actually opened up the format to being able to play other fatties, Grizzlebrand would be in the short list of things that you might play after you've maxed out on Archon. Ginger Taxis would be in the short list. Ginger Taxis, what did I just say? You said Grizzlebrand. Oh, yeah. No, once I get rid Grizzlebrand of Grizzlebrand. Grizzlebrand would still be on the short list after it got banned. Yeah, yeah. People still would still be like, please unban this. Somehow find a way. Yeah, no, I think Ginger Taxis would be on the short list next to like Sire of Insanity and yeah. no, all of that. All, all those cards that maybe get played as a one of here and there, but otherwise are just uh, uh, waiting for Grizzlebrand to not be the de facto go-to. Yeah, because de- the deck is, what, four Chancellor, four Grizzlebrand, and, like, what, four to five other targets? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely maxed... If you're playing Black Red, you're definitely maxed out on Chancellors. You're close to maxed out on Grizzlebrand. And then any of the other things, you're probably playing a Sarah's Avenger. Or not a Sarah's Avenger, a Sarah's Emissary. Emissary, yeah. And then some number of Archon of Cruelty. And that's it. They Those are just the best things to be doing. And until Grizzlebrand... Also, Chancellor of the Annex is like, it's not good. You play it because you're you're trying to belch your opponent. You yeah, know? But like exactly. a 5-5 five, five in the air isn't great. Like if it, five, if it wasn't for the 5-6, whatever. But like, <laughs> I mean, the, the, like real, the, real, the real advancement that's like, that holds any of the other big fatties back from being played in reanimated is Grizzlebrand, as has been the case for years. Well, there we go. Uh, what other cards seem good? I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. Uh, oh, dude, Ottawara. Uh, what do you mean, what other cards oh, are good? We haven't talked about Ottawara well, yet. The lands, obviously the lands, yeah. Bro, okay, so let me tell you about a deck that I played at my local. I was like, okay, I've been playing, I, I play a lot of Miracles. Maybe it's time to switch it up. I played an Aether Vile deck. I played many uh, uh, a Vendillion Click and Eventser in Miracles before, right? Legends of Miracles has been a deck forever. I was like, wait, wait, let me just try a Yorion Wizards deck and play some Aether Vile. Let me switch it up. Let me try something different. Let me first say, Aether Vile fucking sucks. <laughs> and when I say it sucks, 
hold on, DNT players, calm down. What I mean by Aether Vial sucks is I can't tell you the number of times that I drew Aether Vial on turn two after keeping my seven and how bad that feels. Nothing makes me never want to play an Aether Vial deck again than drawing Aether Vial on turn two. I, I told you, I told you and Nate in our chat, I would rather keep a seven hand opening with Ponder, Brainstorm, and one land with on both the Ponder, the Brainstorm, never hit my second land drop and concede the game than draw an Aether Vial on turn two. Aether Vial on turn two feels so bad. I would rather play it and get a Prismatic Ending because at least then it traded for a card. The fact that it's on turn two means that, okay, I just time walked myself on turn one because now this isn't going to do anything for the rest of the game. God, it feels awful. Please don't ever do that. Don't. Just stop. I'm never going to play Aether Vial again because of it. Anyway, getting getting to the actual action. So aside from all of the punts that I made uh, playing this deck that I had never played before, there was one interaction where I realized how powerful Odawara was. I'm playing against Jeskai Days Undoing, Mono Firewalkers plus Hull Breacher plus Days Undoing that deck. Yeah. Jeskai. I have a legend on the board. It doesn't matter what it is. So my Odawara costs three. My opponent has Teferi on the table, pluses, plays a Hull Breacher, and then on my draw step... Oh, plays Days Undoing. Sick! And, and of course, in that scenario, because Teferi is a fucking awful card that should never exist because it just creates unfun play patterns. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, obviously, I'm just going to cast this in your draw step, catch your last card, rather than letting you untap and draw. So instead of playing it on his main phase, when I'm tapped out, he lets me untap, I draw a card, he goes for the Days Undoing, I get to Ottawara back the whole Breacher, and then we both draw a fresh seven. Now, of course, I still lost that game, obviously, yeah. <laughs> but the game, but it didn't end on the spot because Ottawara was able to get through to Ferry. Now, oh, this is, I guess that is to say, Ottawara, very good. I mean, we knew Ottawara was going to be very good, right? It's an uncounterable removal spell. That's also a land that comes into play untapped for some reason. But it, it goes to show you that, like, I think the, a lot of the power level of Ottawara is the fact that it can interact with the Teferi on the table. Yep. On, on your opponent's turn... On your turn during non-sorcery speed times. There's also like, I, I wonder if those lands, at least Adawara, maybe the other ones, but the the discount on those cards, because they're already uncounterable, any amount of discard or discard discount on them is insane. Like the, the times where I actually did get to pay off Adawara for one or two mana was incredible. Just knowing that it's uncounterable and that you can do it anytime is amazing. And the 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 discount was it, it, the discount on it felt unfair. So I think there's a lot of room to explore with these cards. The one, the, the card that it actually made me really interested in wanting to explore was Tekanuma. Is that the name of the black one? Yeah, that is te uh, Teka... Tekanuma. Uh, well, let's go with Tekanuma. Yeah, I, I, we'll correct it in a second. But the, the fact that that one is an instant speed, mill three, pick up a creature, disentomb a creature or a planeswalker. I'm just like, man, yeah, I want to play with fucking Turok from Modern Horizons 2 and like Liliana's and and all that stuff and just play like a, a lower to the ground stuff that incidentally is Legends that's playing with just cards that you'd want to play anyway. Yeah. Like that stuff sounds hot. I'm way more impressed with that stuff now because like any of those cards that trade at all, when you pick them back up, it's very reminiscent of Kolagon's Command where that was a, that was like a backbone interaction for a control deck for a very long yeah. time. And Tekanuma just being uncounterable and being able to fill your graveyard for... I don't know, something like Uro or any of your Dell threats. I'm way higher on my card just from playing with Ottawara. And I, I think that there is still room there to explore a lot. To that end, what about the the Consumes All card? What's it called? Yeah, you want to talk about Hidexugu Consumes All? Yes. Yeah, I think Dude. that card is is fire. And I think I think Joe uh Joe mentioned that actually in, in his Yeah, article. there's there, there was a, there was a lot of back and forth on Twitter about how uh Hidexugu Consumes All is the card that is going to 
bring Grixis back into the into the format. Hey man, I'm 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 into it. I I liked I liked the concept of Grixis control. I just didn't love that it was playing four colors and it had access to Deathrite Shaman. Okay, let's let's talk about deck building real quick. Deck building and legacy. I mean, I just squeezed because I'm so excited about this. Deck building and legacy. I'm gonna do a quick rundown of Miracles as an example because that's what I know best. When you are thinking about building a control deck, so if you're building a combo deck, we obviously know why we're building it. Mass combo deck, A plus B combos, et cetera, et cetera. We're trying to assemble a combination of cards that wins on the spot. If we're playing a control deck, the first thing to do to play by, for playing a control deck is figuring out what is the legacy power level thing to do. The build around is the power level, the, the legacy power level thing to do. So for four color control, it's Uro, right? For miracles, for historically, it's been Terminus. A one mana, Wrath the Board, potentially at instant speed, is the legacy power level thing to do. So when you're thinking, okay, I want to do the legacy power level thing, that's Terminus. Therefore, I'm going to use old top miracles because it's just a very clean example. It's why the deck was so functionally and conceptually sound. Yep. You want Terminus, therefore you want top, therefore you want counterbalance. That is the progression of the deck building that got to where it is, and then you flesh it out with things for the given meta that you anticipate finding. But conceptually, structurally, Structurally, when you're building a deck, you're like, I want the legacy power level thing to do. Therefore, I want the thing that best enables the legacy power level thing to do. And therefore, I'm going to pay it off by filling out what it, legacy power level A thing to do is soft to, right? Terminus controls the board. Counterbalance controls the stack. Top tied the room together. Sure. So if we're looking at Grixis now, if we're going to presume, if we're going to assume the position that Hidesugu who consumes all is the legacy power level thing to do, then when you're thinking about the rest of the deck, think about, okay, Hidetsugo is the level, legacy power level thing to do. Therefore, I want what? Therefore, I want what? Do you, uh, do, should, tell do, me, do you want you tell do, me what, we, what you want. So looking at, at Grixis decklist, I think people are going to be kind of sandbagging, wanting to relive the dream of old Grixis where you're, you know, Baleful Strixing and K-commanding back your Baleful Strixes and playing a really low-to-the-ground grindy plan where you just, like, have a bunch of raw cards and your opponent doesn't have cards and you're just nickel and diming them with Snapcasters and Baleful Strix across the finish line. And we are well, well back from that. Like, that is never going to be a thing as long as Uro exists. Yeah. The, the sheer threat of Uro existing in the format means that nickel and diming can never work because Uro will just obsolete that plan by itself uncontested. So you can't do that anymore. You can't yeah. nickel and dime Agreed. anymore. You got, you got to go over the top. Hidetsugu also means that you're not going to get to play with your graveyard because it exiles all graveyards. So we, we're moving into a space where we don't want to play to the board on permanents that are CMC uh, one or less. We can't interact with the graveyard. What do we do from there, right? Where do we go? Well, the, the weakness of the deck is still going to be interacting on the stack. Your counter magic is still going to be fine. But you also now have to consider what your blue count for cards is going to be. Clearing the way for a hit at Sugu to Consumes All on turn three to be powerful. I, I think the Thought Seize or Discard Spells being able to leverage catching the stuff that Hidetsugu won't is going to be important. So Hidetsugu cares about one thing and you being able to navigate the plan to where a game state where only that thing matters is going to be important. So look at things that can interact on the stack that can get the stuff that Hidetsugu can't. Okay. And then as you're going over the top, threats that don't care about the graveyard. Naturally, Jace the Mind Sculptor, other planeswalkers in that space totally work. And then figuring out what the weaknesses of Grixis are after the fact, to like the, the, the counterbalance section of, of, of Plan C, if you will, is where people should look to build. So the argument of Hidetsugu is going to bring Grixis back out of nowhere, I disagree. I don't think it's just going to magically bring the Grixis of old back as we knew it. I think Hidetsugu could reinvent Grixis, yeah. but I don't think anybody has really thought through conceptually where Grixis is foundationally sound and where its weaknesses are yet. I, I have to say, one of the things that I, I'm just kind of realizing about this, because I'm like, four is a lot, right? Four is a lot to play in a deck. One thing I, I think that, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, 
I thought this card was legendary somehow. It's not. You could play like you could slam another one and slam another one. You could eventually have like three of these guys on the board. I thought it flipped over into like a legendary creature. It just flipped over into an ogre. It's so weird to me because like this is a, a concept in my head. I just assumed like somehow that like all the named in uh enchantments saga enchantments from this uh set were were legendary, but they're not. Yeah, it also feels legendary. It does. You know? Yeah. It feels like it's not. Yeah. The other thing too is when you are glutted on these, like there are going to be some matchups where similar to Terminus, this card just doesn't matter, right? Yeah. There are going to be cards where this is absolute nightmare for them, right? Like anytime I'm playing a Terminus deck, I'm like, if you open on Birds of Paradise, you're fucking dead. That's so good for me if I'm playing Terminus. Like if you play a Manador, you're walking right into Terminus style builds. Similar to this, this is going to be great against shit like Mox Diamond. Let's go, man. Well, you want to go Mox Diamond Exploration? Yeah, it's let's, be let, good let's catch all that. In that, in that scenario, you want, yeah. You're, you're, you're playing, you know, your zero mana artifacts and trying to go wide with your eight cast deck. Yeah, I'm going to blow that shit out, right? That stuff is going to be very good. But I think it being a black red card, so it doesn't have the de facto fail safe of Pitching being force. able to pitch it to force. Yeah. It, it's going to have a similar uh, issue where if you draw multiples and they do nothing, or if you draw one and it does nothing, similar to how Terminus doesn't do anything in those kinds of matchups, Terminus at least could trade with one large creature at some point in the, in the game if we're in that space. Whereas if they're just not playing zero or one mana permanents, this card just is going to be a bad Tormod's crypt, yeah. right? You know, it's, Maybe it's, you get it's a relatively unplayed, Phil, so I forget what the name of it is, but what was the red py uh, pyrokinesis like, pitch card? Oh, from Fury? Fury. So yeah, you can play Fury. You could put like a Fury in the deck and sort of even it out that way. But like again, if if you're not the thing is, is if you're not getting value out of your Fury because you want to hit two creatures with your Fury, right? Like that's the goal, right? So you so you get rid of two cards, they get rid of two cards. If you're not getting that value out of Fury, you're probably also not getting that value out of Hidetsu Hidetsugu. Hidetsugu. Yeah. Hidetsugu. Hidetsugu. Uh, so that's sort of a rough spot. That was also one of the good things about a lot of random blue cards with Force of Will. Force of Will is a legitimate catch-all. Because everything about Grixis has always been about stopping the opponent, There's it's, it's always ever just been a home of like, okay, if we're playing Hidetsugu who consumes all, we're just going to assume that we want to be wrathing the board to simplify the game state. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole space, correct me if I'm wrong, Hidetsugu says destroy all non-mana permanents, right? It says destroy. So if you have one mana or zero mana permanents that want to die, you can exploit that. That is unexplored space. Synthesizer, experimental synthesizer, or whatever the new artifact where's, card where's is. Where's Nadat with his Zombardment deck? There are cards that care about dying that you could exploit by presenting a board and mass wrathing your side of the table for some kind of value, right? The, this card could be an enabler. What that means in terms of deck building, if we think that Hidetsugu who consumes all is the power legacy power level thing to do and we try and enable that, it might be better to go into Grixis control. If there is a power level card at one mana that destroying and recurring over and over is 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 important or that letting them die the, the trick here is though is that the second part of hidetsugu exiles all graveyards but if there's something that we want to have die or something that we want to exile from our graveyard for value we can we can move hidetsugu who consumes all from the a part of the deck to the b part of the deck something else is legacy level power level it's enabled by hidetsugu who consumes all that all, is also an interaction piece okay. and then therefore we can tie the room together with something else so that's where when you're thinking about deck building Figuring out what goes in your A, your B, and your C slots is to, to build a, a conceptually sound deck. You can move those pieces around to slot in different cards to figure out what deck is actually going to do 
work in a given metagame. Not every card has to be the pet card of the deck. Some some of them are just the wheels. Not every card has to be the legacy power level thing to do. Yeah. You should be only playing cards that are good cards, right? Like for sure. Hopefully you you're only hopefully you're only playing a 75 that has good legacy playable cards. Unless you're playing a Lauren, then you know all, all the rules are out the window. But like if we're talking about like the legacy power level thing that the deck wants to do is yeah. you can look at every deck that exists currently and probably figure out A plus B plus C if they're not a combo deck. Of course. Some, some combo decks are just A plus B. Some combo decks are, are, are volume, so they want a bunch of things that all do the same thing. But for the most part, fair decks, quote unquote fair decks in the format, there's a legacy power level thing to do. They have something that's helping enable it. And then they have something that is tied to that second card that is tying the room together for them. And if you can figure out with each deck, which part of that each card slots into, that will also help you figure out, A, where you should interact when you're playing against those decks. But then also when you're thinking about new cards to build with, where you should figure out what cards to look at when you're building. If you're thinking to yourself, Hidetsugo is the powerful thing that I want to build around. It's going to be in your A slot. That should de- dictate which cards you look for for the B slot. And, but vice versa, if you put Hidetsugo in the B slot, that's going to give you different cards to look at for the A slot. Well, I think I think we can sum up everything that you just said as how you look at new cards when they come out. You know, like yeah. how, how to look like what this episode was is like, let's look at some new cards and see if they're worth playing. And I think everything that you said in the last five minutes sums up our points perfectly is yeah. look at these new cards, see if they're worth it. Do they fit into that A, B or C slot? And if they don't, do they create, are they a new deck? You know. So here's yeah, here's an example of where I was like, when I was saying Sotowaru is better as just like show and tells five through eight, mm-hmm. right? Here's an example. Show and tell is the legacy power level thing to do, right? Indeed. A, therefore I want big, massive fatty that's going to end the game. Insert any of them. In this case, let's just hypothetically say it's Blightsteel Colossus, right? Right on. I want show and tell. Therefore, I want Blightsteel Colossus. Therefore, I want Sotowaru. It's not the legacy power level thing to do, but it's going to tie the room together with what is the legacy power level thing to do, which is show and tell. Exactly. That's that's just like a clear example of like when you're looking at Sotowaru and then people are just like hand-fisting it into Ninja's decks and then it just becomes a meme. It's like, well, because there's no conceptual groundwork there. It's not foundationally sound. Yeah. But if you were to put it into that, now that's not to say that those type, like every kind of deck that is functionally sound or, or structurally sound will work right? Like metagame is dependent. Tools that your opponent has to fight against it are dependent. But like when you're looking to try a deck and think this is something that I'm interested in giving a go, having something that is conceptually sound, that is structurally sound, knowing what your deck wants to be doing. I want to show and tell, but I, the fact that I have Sotowaru also to tie the room together is valuable. It feels like when we say it's copies five through eight, but if you look at it from that conceptual standpoint, it allows you to move cards in and out exactly. and knowing where to slot things and, and how to maneuver your deck building. And th- that's at least the kind of process that I go through when I'm thinking about deck building. Yeah. Well, I think with that, we're coming to the end of the episode. Uh, I wanted to uh, make sure that we thank all of our uh, Patreon supporters. Appreciate you all. You're keeping, uh, you're keeping uh, us on our toes and we're putting these up every week again now. Um, I also wanted to mention that we have we have the merch store. Look at this. There look at go. that really good looking mug. Wow, you look so handsome drinking from that mug. I wanted to I wanted to start this episode off with uh with me just being like, sorry, I was making, on my phone. How cool is you this? Making a, you making a call on your eternal dirtle's phone. You look so thin and handsome. I mean, maybe this is just a me thing. I love this. I love I love everything about this. It's just a good. It's it's a solid uh, phone case. But we've got. I, I don't even want to run over and and get them. But I've got. We've got the backpack. We've got the fanny pack. We've got really nice new T-shirts with our new logo. I mean, everything's got got our brand new logo on it. So you're gonna get the you know that high quality logo. I, I feel like that logo is making really bringing a nice a nice glow to your eyes here. Oh man, thanks. Anyhow, so I wanted to you know wanted to point that out. That that link is also in the doobly doo. Remember, join Moxfield, get in there, check that out. Uh, definitely 
Definitely start building decks on there. And then uh, I think that's I think that's it for us this week, Phil. Yeah, join the Discord. Yeah, and, get on the Discord, guys. Come on. And if you have your brews that you're thinking about or the decks that you've played about forever, look at your deck. Think about A plus B plus C construction, about when you're thinking about the legacy power level thing to do, and let us know in the Discord if that has helped you articulate why your deck is working or not working at a more structural level. Uh, and one last thing, I wanted to I wanted to shout out uh, Canadian Threshold for their shout out uh, when we were talking about the uh, Invoke Cycle. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, yeah, so we, listen, we, listen, we, we listen to your episode, Canadian Threshold. Uh, we appreciate your shout outs. If anybody who hasn't listened to them, uh, you definitely should. They're just another really yeah. solid podcast that I listen to. And I had no idea that they listened to us. So community go. grows stronger together. It's, it's wild how tight how, how tight knit the community is. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Phil, I'll see you next week. Enjoy. Later on. Bruh. It's Force of Philip on the track. Yo, I didn't think about it this way before. But when I stopped casting Brainstorm, I realized all of you players are junders. You're just a bunch of junders, bruh. Two for ones and top decks. Green Sun Zenith prospects. Well... If you don't cast Thoughtseize turn one, then I don't want to hear no chat about blunders. You play as agendas, lilies and bobs and oozes, tomagoy bruises, Kolagons command chooses, discard shatterer twofers, disentomb endurance, punishing fires looping, and you losing cause we him into to rock. So you're playing off the top, cascading always goes for broke, lightning gonna hit you with the smoke, these braids are flapping off your blood, tap four, we cast a Dracula, collect another trophy, assassinate you when we play enchantress, we back to nature, so pay a life you fucking coward, flex your grip like it's full of power, forget the student, get your racket, master losers just keep attacking, who cares if Uro blanks your deck, we're in too deep to course correct, we're some availed, we'll cling to dust, curse the cup all the way, Lily does, Bruh. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying to you just yet, but if you ain't casting Brainstorm, then you gotta keep the fucking pressure on them. Jund will fuck up DNT, wrath the board, pernicious deeds. They'll rebuild what we're engineering, explosive, side clearing. But please don't try to go recruit and last hope will smack it and abuse it. This is madness! Fatal push, commit war crimes, George W. Bush. Bruh, I get it, all the good cards are in blue. And Merc Tide is an absolute fucking beating. But if you don't cast Lord Siege turn one, then I don't want to hear no qualms about dragons. Pyro blasting, fuck escaping Uro and his dumb play patterns. Surgical extraction, calls games like James Madden. Tough acting to enacting, and now we're gaining some traction by dashing in Ragavan the Goat, casting cards off the deck. And if they be playing blue, then they'll show us some respect. We used to play the cards, they traded one for one, but then they changed the bar, and that was undone. And now the black cards were unplayable, but we jumped so hard we're unassailable, uh.